Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. Welcome, everybody, to episode 48 of Calm Words for Anxious Hearts, and today we're going to do something really exciting because we're going to start a six-week series today on the prophets. And so for each of the next six weeks, starting today, we're going to be looking at a different prophet in the Old Testament to see what we might learn from his life and witness. Now, Fair warning, the goal of this podcast and the goal of the prophets are not always the same, and that the stated goal of this podcast is to offer calm words for anxious hearts, whereas the prophets often like to offer strong and forceful words for complacent hearts. And so that might just be a tension we need to lean into, but I'm going to do my best to make sure I present the prophets in such a way that we maintain the integrity of their witness, but also stay true to the stated intent of this podcast. But first, why the prophets? Why spend six weeks listening to their message? Well, I want you to imagine being forced to live in a pigsty. What do you think the first 10 minutes of your experience would be like? Imagine the rotten stench, the putrid sensation invading your nostrils. You gasp. You cover your nose with your shirt, but the horrible smell just will not go away. And you think to yourself, I can't do this. I can't live like this. I cannot live my life in a pigsty. I cannot tolerate this smell. But then let's say a week goes by. Are you still in agony? No, you are not. Did the smell go away? No, the smell is very much still there. The difference is you. You have adjusted. You don't notice the smell anymore. In fact, after a while, you may even start to enjoy the smell, and before you know it, you're slopping around happy as a pig. That is why we need the prophets. In a stinky world, prophets remind us what a fragrant odor is supposed to look like or smell like. And so in the Bible, sin in its many different forms is kind of like a pigsty. And with time, the sinful practices that surround us and that are part of our life, they deaden our hearts or our souls' sense of smell. In other words, there are things in the world we live in that, if we're being honest, just stink. There are things in our life that stink, but we no longer notice the smell. We don't see the consequences. We don't know what the big deal is. But then along comes a prophet whose mission is to shake us up, to wake us, and to help us realize that something stinks. And so that's why I think it's a good idea to study the prophets. Now, I'm going to warn you, prophets, by definition, are just strange, and at times they seem harsh. And if I imitated their behavior, I would lose my job and maybe even get thrown into jail. And so, for example, Hosea married a prostitute to let the people of Israel know that their fidelity broke God's heart. This was a symbolic act he undertook to convey that message. 
Ezekiel cooked a meal over his own excrement to show the people how unclean they had become. Jeremiah preached while holding a dirty pair of underwear to symbolize how disgusting Israel's behavior was. Isaiah preached naked for three years. And I could offer more examples, but I say this only to give you fair warning. The prophets are strange. But as strange as they are, and as unconventional as they are, we really need their witness. Because you and I see the world and experience life through a very narrow lens. If our needs are met, we tend to think that the world is a pretty good place. And when everything seems great in our own lives, it gets really easy to walk right past the things that break God's heart and to not even notice anymore. And a prophet's job is to make us notice. For example, we hear about war, but because it's been going on for years, we get numb. We tell a white lie, and then we find comfort in knowing that everyone else tells white lies as well. We gossip about a friend and don't feel guilty, our rationale being that what he doesn't know won't hurt him. We see the homeless, and we convince ourselves that they really don't want anything more for themselves. We get so wrapped up in our own comfort that we forget the needs of the poor and the outcast. You see, our problem isn't that we don't understand, that we don't know that war is bad or that homelessness is sad. Our problem is that we don't feel. In other words, we're in the pigsty and we don't think that it smells. We even have sayings that help us deal with reality in the pigsty, such as life, c'est la vie. That's just the way the cookie crumbles. But then along comes a prophet screaming, that is not life. The cookie is not supposed to crumble that way. In fact, there's a great verse in the book of Micah that sums up why we need the prophets so badly. It's Micah 2.11, which says, If a lying prophet says to you, I'll preach about the joys of wine, that's the kind of prophet you would like. And so, does wine make us more relaxed or less relaxed? Wine makes us more relaxed, which for the record is not the same thing as being calm. But what I think Micah is saying is that our preference is to live in a state of spiritual numbness. We don't even want to notice. We don't want to feel. We don't want to hear about the pain of the world. And so we love flying prophets because they always make us feel so much more comfortable and relaxed. The only problem is that real prophets speak the words of God. And the funny thing about truth, it convicts us, makes us uncomfortable, and challenges us to act. And so with the time we have for this podcast, just as an introduction for this series, I want to look briefly at Micah. And I want to share a reading from Micah 6, one that you've probably heard before. This is one of those passages that answers the question of human existence. And that question is this. What is it that God requires? What does God want from us? And so let me share that passage now. Micah writes, With what shall I come before the Lord 
and bow, bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before God with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with tens of thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? Here ends the reading. So what does God really want from me? What can I bring to God? Micah begins by forming a list of possible answers. Shall I come with a burnt offering, he asks. Notice, Micah starts very small. A burnt offering could be a pigeon or a dove, which anyone could afford, but God does not want something so small. God wants more. Well, Shall I come with calves a year old, he asks. Calves were expensive, and a calf would be very generous, but most families could not afford this kind of offering, and so Micah decides to go even bigger. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams? Now, only a king would have had access to thousands of rams. Such an offering would be beyond imagination, but notice... Micah keeps going, which means that God would not be pleased with thousands of rams. Will the Lord be pleased with tens of thousands of rivers of oil? Rivers of oil would be great, but the only problem is they don't exist. That's like asking if God would be pleased with a thousand golden unicorns. Tens of thousands of rivers of oil is like offering infinity plus infinity to God. And yet, even if we had infinity plus infinity to offer to God, Micah says God would not be pleased. Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression? Micah knows that God abhors human sacrifice, but this is Micah's way of pushing the question to the limits. The question, of course, being, what does God really want from me? He wants you to do justice, Micah says, to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. In other words, God wants us. He wants our heart and our lives fully submitted to him. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. And so let's look first at justice. Justice is kind of funny. We hate it whenever we are treated unfairly. Whenever we're wronged, we demand justice. Our problem is that we often live with a double standard. We're passionate about justice when it comes to us, but we often forget to extend justice to other people. Micah tells us to do justice. In other words, we should be just as energized over the injustice that other people suffer as we are over the injustice that we suffer. Second, he says, love kindness. The Hebrew word for kindness is hesed. Hesed is a word that can't really be translated, but it has to do with the way that God feels and acts towards the people with whom he is in relationship. Hesed is a combination of mercy and kindness and love and faithfulness, but it's a concept that's tied to this idea of a 
covenant relationship with God. To love kindness is to love the kindness that God lavishes on us so much that we then extend that same kindness to other people and, by the way, that same kindness to ourselves. And so as we listen to the prophets, one of the things we'll be challenged to do is to learn how to be kind, kind to others and also kind to ourselves. And then three, walk humbly. You know, it's hard to be a prophet and not get a little self-righteous, but as we all know, there is a big difference between demanding justice and then just being a jerk. And to walk humbly with God is to live a life of love. You see, what burns most deeply in the heart of a true prophet is not anger, but love. Because the heart of a prophet is always in sync with the heart of God, and God's heart always beats with love. And so whenever the prophets seem angry, remember, a prophet's anger is not like sinful human rage. A prophet's anger is always, always, always an expression of a much deeper love. And prophets never forget that they too are sinful, that they too need mercy and grace, and that they too need to be saved, that they too need to walk in humility before God. And so I want to end this intro into the prophets with a story. Now, I know that this is a story that I've told in a sermon before, and so I apologize if you've heard it, but I want to tell this story again because it really does fit very well as an intro to the prophets, in my opinion. And this is a story about a boy by the name of John, who at the age of five years old was diagnosed with a pretty cruel form of muscular dystrophy, which would eventually destroy most of the muscles in his body and after a significant period of time probably take his life. And so each year John lost something. He lost his ability to run, to walk without support, and eventually to stand. The most difficult time of John's whole life was junior high because his classmates did not understand his condition and they were often really cruel. John was bullied and he was humiliated so much that he hated going to school. And no one really ever stood up for John. No one ever said a word. John didn't have any friends, and his life was very painful and lonely. But one year, John got a pretty cool opportunity. He was named the ambassador for muscular dystrophy in the state of California, and he was invited to attend a pretty high-profile charity auction and dinner. Athletes were there, celebrities were there, and John was there as well. And so whenever the auction began, there was one item that really grabbed John's attention. It was a basketball signed by the Sacramento Kings. John got a little carried away, and he started bidding on this basketball. But because his family was quite poor, John's mom had to physically restrain him because she knew that they could not afford this basketball. But on went the bidding higher and higher. That is, until one man stood up, and he offered an amount for this basketball that was so high that it shocked the room. The bidding stopped. The man walked to the front of the room to claim his prize, but instead of returning to his seat with the basketball, he walked all the way across the banquet hall and placed that ball in John's thin, frail hands. I share that image with you because I think it gives us access to what 
a modern-day prophetic act could look like. Why? Because it made everyone feel. It made people feel what God feels for John. And when I read that story for the first time, it made my heart hurt in a way that it hadn't hurt in a long time. And that is why we need the prophets, because it is a good thing as human beings for our hearts to hurt. We're not supposed to live our life with a numb heart. It's good for them to feel even if our heart feels pain. And it's okay to feel angry every now and again if that anger is an expression of a much deeper love. And so, you know, think about it. What a tragic thing it would be to live our entire lives in a pigsty and never to actually know that we stink. Who would dare tell us such a thing? Well, only someone who loves us, someone who loves God, only a prophet would dare to speak that message.